Bring it up for Ohio State. You've waited all day for this. Don't let that stand in the way. He's going to take it to the house. 85 yards. Down the right side going. Devin Smith got it at the five and into the end zone. Touchdown. The one show that's nothing but the Buckeyes. Oh, for the touchdown. Kraft shoots it high on the right for three. This is the Buckeye Show. Ah, uh, yes it is. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome into the Buckeye Show. Filling in for Timmy Hall, I'm Ryan Baker. Sitting to my right, national champion, the one, Tyvis Powell. And you just heard Bodie Wells on the Sports Center update there. Glad to have you guys along on this Martin Luther King Day. Tyvis, my friend, you have a gripe you want to talk about real quick. Yeah, I do, actually. I'm sitting here. So I went to Sheets because... My wife went to Worcester today to take her mother to the host to the her doctor's appointment. She had two of them, okay. And I, me being a, the wonderful husband that I am, I make sure the car is filled up with gas and everything. Okay? You're a good guy. You're a good guy. Yeah. She comes back home. I take her car. Guess how much gas was in the car? Less than a quarter of a tank. <laughs> Let's just say the warning light came on very soon. So. Um, I had to go get gas, so I said, you know what, let me stop at Sheets. So I stopped at Sheets. I said, you know what, I won't get to eat until later today, so let me grab me a little snack. A little snack. Mm-hmm. And I see these Lifesaver gummies. Bunnies and eggs is what it's called. I said, that looks interesting. You know, I love love Lifesavers. And then I get here, and I'm trying them, and I just, you know, they're just not what I anticipated. And it's nothing worse when you see something that you think is going to be really good and you eat it and it's just not that good, mm-hmm. that's how I, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And what what is it about the lifesavers that you don't like? <laughs> well, I, they like, I like. Because they, they smell delicious. So, so I'm a, have you had Albanese? I have. Those Very to, good. Those to me is like the top of the line gummy bears okay. and gummy worms. And I'll agree. They're very good. Yes. I was imagining, because, you know, Lifesaver gummies, it's pretty soft. Mm-hmm. These are hard, and they remind me of the Harbo, Haribo, however you mm-hmm. say it. I can't stand them, but that's what these is like a reminder of. And you know what's funny? I'm, I have a friend that loves the Haribo gummy bears, Why? and I do not. I think they're too hard as well. Hey, that's just, you know, my kids got a huge bag of them, and it's just, anytime they ask for them, I just be like, ugh. I got to get them put on to some Albanese. <laughs> they are. The Albanese, they are very good. <laughs> Speaking of, I think the last time I bought those was at Sheets. So uh, we've got a good show coming up for you today. A lot to talk about. Uh, unfortunately, one of the things we have to talk about is this Buckeye basketball game that happened today. They lose to Michigan 73-65. to Coming up at 6.33, we'll talk to Adam Jardy, who covers the Buckeye basketball team for the Columbus Dispatch, about what's going on with Chris Holtman's squad we will also talk about, it sounds like Ohio State maybe, possibly, has their next AD in line. Uh, we will discuss that as well. Plus, the news for Ohio State uh, since the Cotton Bowl has been pretty positive. We've got some more of that, maybe a couple more defensive players transferring in that uh, possibly could help this team that the defense is going to be stacked, it seems like, with almost everybody ba- uh, coming back for 2024. And then also it sounds like maybe Ryan Day is zeroing in on who he wants to be the offensive coordinator for this Buckeyes team uh, next year. So we will discuss that as well. But first... (laughs) 
<laughs> Tyvis, we have to talk a little bit of NFL football real quick because former Buckeye C.J. Stroud absolutely shredded wow. what we thought was the number one defense <laughs> in the NFL, our Cleveland Browns, and then Bodes. It wasn't much better for your Cowboys. Pathetic. <laughs> Absolutely pathetic. <laughs> it's pretty rough for our football teams this weekend, guys. Which one is more disappointing? Oh, I I think Dallas. Would you guys agree with that? Look, man, if we were down our fourth, fifth, seventh <laughs> string tackles and down to our fifth or sixth quarterback and et cetera, et cetera, yeah, and I that, think I would have uh, accepted it a little bit more. Just, and I'm not telling you guys to be happy because I'm not, I don't always like being like, well, who cares? Like, but, once you get in the playoffs, Bodie, it just seemed like it was going to be such a layup. It's like they for Cleveland or yeah, Dallas? Cleveland. I just thought it was a layup. Dallas, I mean, y'all was undefeated at home. Doesn't it feel like all of that don't even matter anymore? <laughs> yeah, it feels like 27 was, years of Cowboys the, football hasn't the mattered. Browns was eight and one at home. And then on the road was three and six, and it's just sounds like Dallas. I just don't know. Y'all's is worse because y'all lost at home, and it was the fashion that y'all lost, and it was Green Bay. And again, I mean, they're up and coming, but I never thought that they'd be like this. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. This, yesterday kind of broke me a little bit. You know, like every now and again, you have a loss where you're just like, you really just question why you like care so much about a team. It's not that yesterday was like heartbreaking, like high mm-hmm. on the heartbreaking list, because it was over within like five seconds, it felt yeah. like. But it was just like one of those, like, you know, I care, like, I follow everybody we sign up for agency. I follow the draft, like, down to, like, like I follow this stuff really closely 12 months out of the year. And I just don't know why. I, I really don't. It's just, <laughs> well, because it's, it's just the same crap. Every year, <laughs> like, they're a good team and they're going to be in the playoffs more often than not. And you just know that kick in the gut is coming. I didn't think it was coming as soon as yesterday. I thought it might be another round or two. But it just, God, man. Ugh, it was you- just gross. It was so <laughs> gross. They got destroyed by a team who barely went over 500. I just don't even... Bones, you've told me since I've known you, the greatest rivalry in sports was the Cowboys against the divisional round, and you didn't I even guess, get there I this guess year. I should just say the first two rounds of the playoffs now, yeah, because that was just... I mean, wow. but the, the the worst part of the Browns game, it, you want to know what it was? It was <laughs> sure. It was the second half. No back-to-back. Back-to-back pick sixes? That ended it. I was like, first of all, that's some video game stuff right there. <laughs> he literally threw a pick six, came back in the next drive, and threw another got pick six. got one more six. for you. I, that, like, that was just like the dagger. It was like, okay, twist the knife. But I tell you what, as a, as a Browns fan... It was refreshing watching Dallas go down. It really was because it was like, okay, it ain't just us. You know, everybody thinks that Cleveland is cursed and all, but when Dallas went down in the fashion that they did, okay, it's like, all right, that's that's pretty bad as well. So we feel your pain. Yeah, it just, I mean, at least with Cleveland, I know the score ended up being pretty ugly, but you went out there with a lot of injuries and whatnot, felt like you were playing for some pride in what they did this season, I think, I would think as Browns fans, and if you guys disagree, that's totally fine. But I would think you could be like, hey, you know what? We did some really good things this year considering the circumstances. With Dallas, it was just another like, cool, we went 12-5, and five, got embarrassed in the playoffs. It's, it's, you know, two years ago, you lose at home to San Francisco. And I know it was a close score, but it was still an embarrassing loss the way Dallas played. Last year, we go out on the Zeke being center and trying to run oh, that trick yeah. play at the end. <laughs> and then this year, we just decided, let's not make it close and lose in heartbreaking fashion in the end. Let's just get absolutely slaughtered from the moment the ball's kicked what off. What the good news is, C.J. Stroud was... Wow. 
Man. I did not think he was going to be this good ever in the NFL, let alone his first year. I didn't think, I thought he would be good eventually because I thought he really did have nice touch on his ball. And I knew, I tell you what, the one thing that when I watched him Saturday night or Saturday, yeah, Saturday afternoon, I should say, I know that one of his big role models is Joe Burrow. And I will tell you right now, the way he played and the way he's carried himself this season, he's it got a lot of. It's very Joe Burrow esque. Yes. So he, I mean, because Joe Burrow went to a friend. It's like a similar story. The difference is he was the number two pick. Joe Burrow's number one, but he went to a franchise that was considered dead, rebuild, full rebuild, and in one year he's been able to turn this thing around. Now he ain't, obviously he got a long way to go before championships, and he still got to make it through the playoffs. But just the impact that he's had, it's to the point where people. I feel like free agent. If I'm a wide receiver, I would want to go to Houston. Like I think sure. he, he's made that destination attractive again. And I think Joe Burrow did the exact same thing with Cincinnati. That was a dead franchise. They hadn't won a thing, and he comes in there and he's this huge spark. And now people want to play with him. People, guys, left tackles and right tackles want to come to Cincinnati and play. And it's just really revived it. And that's, to me, seems like what CJ's doing with the Texans. When we watched CJ here at Ohio State, you could tell that he threw a nice ball and he was pretty accurate. What I was so surprised with, not that he couldn't do it, <laughs> but his willingness to take off and run in the pros oh, yeah. has been a difference maker. He's been able to make plays with his feet that tells me he was not allowed to do that or let to do that or encouraged to do that here at Ohio State, which is kind of crazy. I don't think that was because I think he learned his lesson from not doing that. But this is the thing. CJ's career, it was great as it was, it kind of got overlooked a little bit because of the receiving core that he had. It's like... You know, you got Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and JSN, all first-round talents yeah. that's actually doing really well in the pros. It's like anybody could do that. That's kind of how I looked at Like anybody. I mean, who couldn't be successful with that? And I think for CJ here, he thought to himself, these guys are better playmakers than me with my legs, so I'm going to always keep my eyes downfield. I'm not saying that he don't feel that same way with the Texans, but I think he learned from being yelled at from all these fans <laughs> that, you know what, maybe it's nice for me to just keep the chains moving and pick up what I can with my feet. Joe Burrow had to do it with uh, with Cincinnati, and I think he's doing the same thing. Now, obviously, the two pick sixes, like we talked about in that game, hurt the Browns and kept the Titans or the Texans' offense off the field for a while. Mm-hmm. But I love that how efficient they were, and they didn't, throw the ball a million times like teams do now. CJ was 16 of 21, 274 and 3 and he's proven that he's a quarterback that can handle a little more. Now the Browns were chasing at the end, but they couldn't get their running game going at all. Flacco well, ends up throwing the ball 46 times. Well, that's been the recipe since Flacco's taken over. It seems like the running game hasn't been there anyways. Mm-hmm. And Flacco has thrown the ball 40 to 46 times every time and I kept saying that's, I don't know about that. Like that's that's a lot, and everybody. Was, but it was such a magical season, and everything wasn't the same. They like defied all logic, so it was like just roll with it, and that's kind of it. Just it came to an end. Yeah, and I mean, congratulations to CJ. I think everybody, 
you know, in Columbus, if you don't have a dog in the fight anymore, you're probably rooting for C.J. Stroud. And hey, Bodes, at least you guys get Bill Belichick next year. So, Oh, yeah, that'll be awesome. <laughs> yep, Guys have had a lot of success the last three, four years up in New England. Him and Jerry can fight over the groceries <laughs> yeah. together. Tyvis, real quick, I just want to touch on this Buckeye basketball game real fast today. 73-65, to they lose to Michigan. They have not won a true road game since January 1st of 2023 when they beat Northwestern. They've lost three in a row now. Wait a this minute. Say that one more time. They ain't won a road game since we? Uh, since January 1st of 2023. That's what so I thought you said. Over a year ago. <laughs> That's what I thought you said. Wow. Well, we need to figure that out because if you, I mean, I mean, there's a lot that needs to be figured out over at the shot right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a mess. It, I hope it. I just don't want to repeat January that happened last year. I really just please don't put us through that again. Just figure it out, Tyvis. We're halfway through the month I and we're know. there right now. No, it ain't as bad yet. Not yet. Well, you've lost three straight. <laughs> you get into the Big Ten and they you start losing. Like, they lost like eight last year. But we're on that path, aren't we? I mean, history is repeating itself here. They got to dip it in the bud. (laughs) Now, you can't do this two years in a row. You can't do it two times in a row. Again, we'll get more in depth on this Buckeye basketball team coming up at 633 with Adam Giardi, who covers them from the Columbus Dispatch. Coming up next, though, it looks like Ohio State is zeroing in on someone to replace Gene Smith. We will tell you who that is next. It's Ryan Baker, Tyvis Powell, the Buckeye Show, 97.1 The Fan. Big voice guy here to remind you that you're listening to the fan, Ohio sports destination. Okay, thanks. I have three more seconds. Uh, and where every segment is another Buckeye surprise. You've got the Buckeye show. Welcome back in Buckeye show. Ryan Baker in for Timmy Hall, who was here all day doing some Buckeye basketball duty. Again, we'll talk about that. Coming up the next segment with Adam Jardy of the Columbus Dispatch. Tyvis Powell in as well. Bodie Wells running things on the other side of the glass. Tyvis, we knew that Gene Smith was retiring. He was going to be leaving Ohio State, I mm-hmm. uh, believe, what, June of this year? Yeah, I think it's is June. his last, uh, last time with the Buckeyes. And we hadn't really heard much on the front about his replacement. And then all of a sudden this afternoon, Pete Thamel comes out with the report that Ohio State was zeroing in on their guy sources. Texas A&M Athletic Director Ross Bjork has emerged as the target in Ohio State's Athletic Director search. Search is expected to be finalized in the upcoming days. I've heard reports that Ohio State has reached out to other candidates and told them they are no longer candidates. It sounds like this deal is all but signed and finished. I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's good. I mean, you want to get ahead of it. You don't want to be scrambling at the last minute. You want the guy to come in and maybe learn a couple of things from Gene Smith because, you know, Gene Smith did a really good job as the athletic director here. So maybe he could teach him a couple of things of how things is done. Um, This guy coming from Texas A&M, obviously, you know, you hear about the when on a football standpoint, you know, the first thing you think about is Jimbo Fisher and his buyout. So, you know, he's not afraid to buy you out of your contract. But he, they also did a really good job with NIL. You know, when that thing first started, I think they had the number one recruiting class that year when it first started. So he knows how to raise money. And as an athletic director, that's kind of like 
your number one job is to make sure you can raise money to, you know, build new stadiums or build new facilities or fund NIL and stuff like that. So I think he might be a really good hire here. And, you know, I got a friend of mine who worked at Texas A&M, and he says that you'll love him as an AD. At Texas A&M, Bjork oversaw an athletic department that generated the seventh most revenue in the NCAA during the 22-23 academic year. This is per USA Today, and under his leadership, Texas A&M has been one of the most aggressive schools in terms of using NIL, as you had talked about there, to its advantage uh, since name, image, and likeness began in July of 2021. Bjork has been the athletic director at Texas A&M since 2019. He was previously the athletic director at Ole Miss and Western Kentucky. Pete Thamel in his report also says, which this is a little concerning, I would think, Texas A&M is not expected to make a push to keep him. That's interesting. A guy who raises a bunch of money and you just go let him walk? <laughs> well, maybe because he's paying Jimbo Fisher $77.5 million not to coach. Well, I mean, that's, everybody has a bump in the road. <laughs> Jimbo Fisher was a legend like before that. Mr. Bjork uh, not only signed the extension, he didn't hire Jimbo Fisher, but he signed him to an extension, a mm. 10-year, $95 million extension in 2021. You say a bump in the road. Well, he was also at Ole Miss... When Hugh Freeze was the coach of Ole Miss, and Ole Miss had to vacate 33 wins because of infractions they in their did. program. So they did some illegal stuff. <laughs> they had, I think they had the number one recruiting class, too, back when they had a... Uh, well, they had the lineman. Was it Tread, Will, and a bunch of it was like a good. They line. had some good. AJ Brown, Laquan uh, Treadwell. Uh, they Kandiche. had a bunch of. Yeah, Kandiche, yeah Kandiche. Robert Kandiche. Yeah. Yeah, listen, the man knows how to win games. He knows how to get a good recruiting class here. Now, what he did back at that time would probably be perfectly legal at this time. So he might be the right guy. And we've, until recently, we've kind of heard that Ohio State hasn't been, and you would know more about this than me, but Ohio State hasn't maybe fully been bought in to the NIL process of doing it the way that some teams are mm-hmm. this is a guy that isn't afraid of the process has been on the front end of it they say he is a great uh great at a fundraising bringing yeah. money into the program which we know a lot of times is the number one thing nothing mm-hmm. else matters so from that from those aspects it does seem like you know a guy that would be good for this time that we're in for the football program. At yeah, least. I think that when you look at it from that standpoint, it just shows you that Ohio State is becoming more open to NIL. Obviously, you see the things that's going on with the football program now. You know, they're they're becoming, and I think that's where you have to be now. It's it's just a different day and age in college sports. Period. You can either be against it or you can adapt to it and i think that ohio state kind of was resistant at first but i think as the years goes on i think they're becoming more open to it and more lenient to it now and i think that this guy is the perfect guy to come in and you know fully embrace it because he's already done such a thing so to open up everybody's mind and understand that hey this is the reality that we live in and if we want to continue to stay at the top this is what we're going to have to do so you got the right guy for that mindset with President Carter coming in and really getting going here in the past couple of weeks, obviously he's been on the job since the first of the year. This also kind of seems like a changing of the guard from the Gene Smith regime because a lot of the candidates we had heard about until now 
all had some kind of prior connection to Ohio State mm-hmm. with Gene Smith there, whether that be Pat Chun, the AD at Washington State now, a Martin Jarman who was at UCLA, a Heather Like who was over at the University of Pittsburgh, or like a Jocelyn Gates who had been at Ohio State as like a senior athletic uh, advisor. Mm-hmm. A lot of the names we heard had ties to Gene Smith. This new president comes in and says, I don't care about that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's his job is to, you know, do those things and make those hires. So, you know, usually you want a guy that's got some Ohio ties or some Ohio State ties. But also you want a guy that can be productive as well. And like I say, as an athletic director, your number one job is to raise money and Right now, it seems like he might be one of the best in the business at doing that. And if you want to survive in this new world that we live in in college sports, you're going to have to raise some money and be able to fund things. And he's the perfect candidate for that. So it is what it is. Let's just hope some of that Texas A&M oil money <laughs> that he was able to get before he got, can con- get, uh, he got good connections. Yeah, could get it transferred up here to <laughs> Ohio State. The Ohio, we'll have to watch here in the next couple of days as well and see if this deal actually does become finalized as it looks like it is trending in that direction. We talked about it and unfortunately we're going to have to talk about it more. Ohio State Loses on the road. They're third in a row. They lose to Michigan today, 73-65. to Adam Jardy of the Columbus Dispatch, who covers Coach Holtman's team, will join us next to discuss the loss and uh, what's going on with the program right now. It's the Buckeye Show, 97.1 The Fan. Common Man has spent the past 18 years telling you how much he hates people. And yes, that probably means you, too. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays at 3. The Fan. <laughs> Where Timmy Hall can start swooning over Aaron Kraft any second. It's the Buckeye Show. No Timmy Hall, but Tyvis and I will swoon about Aaron Kraft a little bit. <laughs> I miss the uh, Aaron Kraft days of Ohio State basketball with what's going on right now. The Jerry Sullinger days. Yeah. 2012. Yeah. 20, yeah, 2012. That was when I was a freshman. And they were in the final four. They lost to Kansas. But it was a good time. Good times for sure. Not good times right now for Coach Chris Holtman and his squad. They lose to Michigan today, 73-65. to Adam Jardy covers the Buckeye basketball team for the Columbus Dispatch. He joins us now on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. And, uh, Adam, let's just start right there. This is the second January in a row now where the momentum is not great. For the Ohio State basketball team, what can this team do right now to kind of flip the script on this and change things up a little bit? I mean, the most obvious thing and the one thing that I keep banging around in my head as I make this drive back to Columbus is they could make more shots. Um, This is a team that I think shoots the ball better from the perimeter than it has in these last three games, I think that they are a better shooting team than what we've seen. And I'm wondering if the difference between a three-game losing streak and maybe having won two of the last three is like, I don't know, four more three-pointers. And there's a lot of other ways that we can take this, and I'm curious for some of your thoughts. But, like, I think I, I was doing some of the math before I left, and I don't have – I'm driving, so I apologize not having all the numbers in front of me. But, like – I think they've made 16 three-pointers in their last three games, and they're shooting like 20-odd percent from three. Ten of those three-pointers made are from Jamison Battle. Yeah, That's not really a winning recipe right there. So I feel like 
if this team was shooting 30% from three instead of 20, they'd probably win two of the last three, and maybe that's the difference. I'm not sure. Adam, I'm not ready to hit the panic button like like my co-host over here is, but <laughs> I, I want to know about Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale. I mean, at the beginning of this season, we're talking about two guys that were – arguably the one of the best backcourts in the Big Ten. And just as of lately, it just seems like they haven't been as efficient as they were at the beginning. What do you see as the change in that? Yeah, some of that is just they're playing better teams, and you're always going to see opposing defenses are going to be able to take some things away, especially once you get into the guts of conference play. So you're seeing, you're definitely seeing that impact. Um, Their shot is just straight up not falling the way that it was. Um, you look at the numbers that those guys have put up in the last three games, and they've not been very good. Uh, I think Roddy hasn't made a three-pointer now in like his last three games. I don't think he's made a three-pointer in this three-game losing streak. He also was hurt this week. He hurt his ankle. So I thought that today, the two of them actually, for what they could give, I thought they were pretty decent. I thought that aside from their outside shots not falling, like, Bruce Thornton, unlike in the last game, like kind of got in the mid-range, and he got some of those leaners and floaters to fall. He hit his free throws. You know, Roddy has really struggled these last couple of games. But today I felt like he was able to draw contact, get to the line. He was perfect from the free throw line. I thought they were, in general, better than maybe in the last two games, but it still wasn't enough. And I think what we're seeing with this team is when if, if at least two of the three between – Roddy, Bruce, and Jamison. If two of those three aren't getting you 12 or 15, then this team's going to struggle. And that's tonight, Rod, or Bruce had 19, but Jamison was one of eight from three. And Roddy wasn't scoring 32 like he did against West Virginia, and it adds up to a loss. Speaking with Adam Giardi, he covers the Buckeye basketball team for the Columbus Dispatch on the Bryan Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. This was their uh, 12th straight road loss. Adam, they haven't won a road game since January 1st of last year when they beat Northwestern, and we know they're uh, having a lot of trouble closing games out as well, giving up leads. Which one of those is more concerning to you, or do you think they go hand-in-hand? I would say right now they go hand-in-hand because you're talking about, uh, you know, they they led Wisconsin, uh, you know, with about five minutes to go on Wednesday and then couldn't close it out. Wisconsin was a 19-4 run to close the game. Um, they've got to find a way to get a few more stops and a few more buckets late in games. And it's, I keep going back and forth in my head. I don't, I don't think it's fair to question this team's toughness because I, think, I do think this team is tough enough. But I wonder if there's something more, and maybe, maybe you guys could speak to this um, with you know, your various athletic backgrounds, that – like, it takes toughness on the road down 12 to put together a 16-0 run rally and have a chance to win the game in the final minute. Just like they were down wherever they were at Indiana and they cut it to two in the last minute and then they couldn't close it. There's toughness there, but it's not enough to get them over the hump. I don't know if they need nastiness. I don't know. Maybe, Tyvis, maybe you can speak to that. Oh, nastiness changes everything. If you're a physical, tough team and you got that will to win, it's kind of like Michael Jordan. It don't matter what the situation is, he'll find a way to win. And I think you just, you got to have that mentality, you know. And right now, it's just, you kind of don't see that, you know. It'll kind of look lost at times. But, you know, I want to ask you about, you know, I got to ask you because I'm a fair guy, Chris Holtman. Obviously, Chris, 
coming into this season, he received a ton of criticism last year for you know the month of January and when they got into a Big Ten conference play. Obviously, they went on that losing streak. Right now, they're on a three-game losing streak in conference play again. Is his seat hot to you, or do you think that he's still pretty good? I mean, I guess it depends on, like, are you asking, like, tomorrow? Are you asking in a month? Are you asking end of the season? Because I think what's interesting right now is it's very easy for all of us, myself included, to, to look at they've lost three in a row. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be last year. This feels like last year. Um, they do still have 14 Big Ten games left. And the Big Ten is it, uh, it's it's deep and it's whatever, but like there are there are still winnable games in the Big Ten, and certainly Ohio State has not won winnable games in the Big Ten on several occasions this season. I mean, you're up 18 at Penn State, like that's a game you should win. Uh, you know they're beating Indiana at Indiana. That's not a good Indiana team. This Michigan team had lost five in a row, including a loss to McNeese State. Like they're not necessarily winning the games that you would think you know, draw up the schedule and say, circle the games you think they're going to win. They're not winning all of those games. So that certainly then ca- casts doubt on, well, can they win enough games later to, you know, sort of turn things around? Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I, I keep telling myself, if I think I know what's going to happen tomorrow, I should probably start playing the lottery. Like, <laughs> there's nothing that, there's nothing right now that tells me, well, this team definitively is not going to turn it around, and this team is definitively going to lose 14 of 15 like last year we don't we don't know that yet if they do then i think i think we probably know where that ends up um but they have ample opportunities to turn this around still and i think they still have a high level belief in themselves and where they could be headed that i don't think it's over yet um but like i said there's still a lot of basketball left but if if the losses mount that only increases the temperature and the pressure for sure Adam, we'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, Devin Royal, when he was in the game today, you can see some warts, obviously, but he brought a lot to the game, scored seven points in seven minutes. We've seen some flashes out of Scotty Middleton at times this year. I know Tayson Chapman has been, uh, has been dealing with some injuries as well. We saw all three of them on the court late in the first half in this one today. Why are we not seeing more from the freshmen? Um, well, injuries have not helped. Uh, Taysen was held back for much of the preseason and then has missed time during the season, so that set him back significantly. Otherwise, he would have a, a more significant role in this team. I very much believe that. Scotty Middleton has been impactful defensively. It's just offensive game isn't quite there, and he really struggled in this one. Now he was dealing with an ankle uh, that held him back a little bit today, but his shot was not falling. Uh, and Devin has kind of been a game. He had the flu, knocked him out of game just hasn't been consistent and some of that's just been the, the adaptation to this level i think i think he's a guy that they count on to give them more as the season goes on i thought this was a good good step forward for him and they're going to need that because i think as we just talked about with you know when their big guns aren't hitting they need some other guys to chip in a couple points a game and i thought Devin giving him seven in the first half was absolutely critical for them to have any chance of winning uh, in the second half well, Adam, hopefully this Buckeye basketball team can turn it around and not let uh, this beginning of January turn into what we saw last year. And next time we uh, talk to you, uh, we can talk about a win and some happier things. Uh, safe travels the rest of your ride home from Ann Arbor, and we'll look forward to talking to you again. 
I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. That's Adam Girardi joining us on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Covers the Ohio State Hoops team for the Columbus Dispatch. Tyvis, he's not giving up on them yet, just like you. It's too early. I mean, they come out here and they win against Penn State, and they get they got to get that winning mentality. I think the ultimate test is the next time they go on a road game. If they, they if they win a next road game, everything is all good. But if they continue to struggle, then it's all bad. And, you know, we've seen the past couple of weeks from the football team. We thought the sky was falling after the Cotton Bowl, but then there was a lot of momentum with this Buckeye football team the past couple of weeks. Almost the whole defense is coming back for next year. But, Tyvis, is there a player out there in the portal that could make them even better? We will talk about that next. It's the Buckeye Show, 97.1 The Fan. We aim to punch you in the face with as many games as we can. You're home of the Buckeyes, Blue Jackets, Crew, and Browns. The Fan, Ohio Sports. Sports destination. Brace yourselves for more Buckeye banter. This is the Buckeye Show. Cruising right along on the Buckeye Show. Ryan Baker in for Tim Hall. Tyvis Powell, Bodie Wells all here with you. Just talked to Adam Jardy. If you missed hearing what Adam had to say about the Buckeye Hoops team, you can go and check out the podcast. It's available anywhere you get your audio. Just download and subscribe today. So, Tyvis, there is a guy out there. Played your position. A safety. Sounds like he was down to his final two last year of Alabama and Ohio State, where he was going to play his college football. Yeah. He ended up going to Alabama. He was a freshman All-American, a yeah. All-SEC player in his freshman year. And that is Caleb Downs, and he is in the transfer portal. And there is a lot of smoke that maybe Mr. Downs will be coming to Ohio State. If he does, Mm. and maybe, I don't know, maybe you have some inside scoop on this. I don't know. But if he does, how will that change this Buckeye defense that has already got almost everybody coming back? I think that the person that it probably would affect the most is a guy like Sonny Styles. And the reason I pick him is because... He's a guy that's big enough to play linebacker, but they really want to keep him in the safety room. But the linebackers really want to get him in the linebacker room. I think if you bring in another really good safety, it'll force the hand of him like, okay, we got to get Caleb Downs on the field because he's a playmaker. You got to have Lathan Ransom on the field because he's a playmaker. And we can't take Sonny Styles off the field. So I think that you go, okay, well, let's put him at linebacker. Listen, he has the size. By the time his career is over, he's probably going to be beefy enough to play in that box anyways. He likes being around the ball. He's a really good physical guy. I think that that's where this would affect him. And you won't have to worry about losing a playmaker because you're getting another playmaker in Caleb Downs, a guy who's an All-American, who's All-SEC and all of those things. And I think that he really wanted to come to Ohio State last year. But I think maybe the NIL wasn't where it needed to be. Like this year, I think it's on. But last year, I think they still were trying to figure things out. And I think that ultimately affected his decision. But I think when he talked about Ohio State, he said he really loved it. He had a connection with the guys, with the players. I think he still he's followed a bunch of them on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it it wouldn't be the worst thing. And this would absolutely keep this defense stacked. I mean, last year, they made a huge leap to where they, where they are now, and this would just take them over the top. 
And the safety spot is one of the few spots on defense where they are losing someone next year. As Josh Proctor is off to the NFL, he's used up all of his eligibility. This is a kid that was the USA Today Defensive Player of the Year his senior year in high school. He was also that year in the All-American Bowl, the Player of the Year. And that, he was an SEC All-Freshman, a first-team All-SEC, and SEC Freshman of the Year. So this is a kid that had the pedigree and then got to college and did it on the highest level. So, I mean, he's six foot, 203, a big physical guy. I mean, he's not 6'3", 205 like me, but, you know. But, you no, know, but, I mean, still, he's a guy that can come in there and. <laughs> no, he, he definitely will be a game changer. I mean, listen, if anybody, they don't just give out all SEC to anybody, you know. Especially freshmen. Exactly. So, he is a playmaker. He's a guy that's going to make plays, and he's going to absolutely boost up this roster right away. So, I think. It would be the great. It would be great for him with this secondary coming back. Denzel, Jordan Hancock, um, Davidson, Igbenosin, Lathan, and him. Man, that's actually really nice. If, especially if the D line is, it, it would help the D line actually a lot because it'll bring tighter coverage. You'll have more playmakers. That quarterback will hold the ball for more uh, another second, allowing those sacks numbers to come up. If you're Sonny Styles. Mm-hmm. Chances are your future in the NFL, with the size you already have, is going to be at linebacker. Hmm. Why wouldn't you, regardless if Caleb Downs comes in, obviously if you're Sonny, you're a team player, I get that. But if you're Sonny Styles, why wouldn't you want to make that move to linebacker now, regardless of who's coming or going, if that's going to be the best for you moving forward? I think versatility, you know, versatility keeps you around in the NFL a lot. You know, they'll look at you and say, hey, we could start you off at safety, but we know you could play linebacker as well or vice versa. You know, and that's one less spot on the roster that they have to worry about. We got a guy that's a tweener. That's what kept me around for four years. We got a guy that can play corner, safety and nickel. Oh, yeah, we'll take that all day long. So I think for him, he wants to have that versatility. He probably grew up wanting to be a safety. All his life, he's probably played safety. And, you know, just his size and his athletic ability is what makes people think that he can play linebacker. And he's such a physical guy that he'll fit right in. But it is a different world in that box. I'm going to let you know, Baker. It's not not for the weak at all. You got to be able to use your hands better, which – that's something he should be working on anyways, using your hands better, learning how to get off blocks and getting around these guards and centers and tackles to make plays. If you can do that, you'll play for an absolutely long time. And I learned that from Mike Vrabel. He was good with using those hands Use on that D hand. line Use all the time. Hands, yeah. That's why a lot of times those wrestlers are so good on that defensive line. Um, Tyvis, Quinshawn Judkins, mm-hmm. two phenomenal years to start his career at Ole Miss. He's coming to Ohio State to team up with Travion Henderson, this mm-hmm. one-two punch in this backfield. And I think everybody's really excited about that, yeah. except maybe Dallin Hayden, I would think. <laughs> yeah. This is a guy the past two years that every time he's gotten the game has produced – this year, we didn't get to see him much because they kept saying they wanted to redshirt him. Mm-hmm. Now they've redshirted him for a year to be behind Travion and Quinshaw Judkins. It sounds like, is this a guy that we're going to have on this roster next year? I think it comes down to the spring. I think that you got to show him a lot of love in the springs. I know last year, you know, he wanted to redshirt, but I think it was some issues. I think his pass blocking was probably one of the things that he wanted to work on and be better at. Because at Ohio State, you got to be a really good pass blocker if you want to carry the ball. You know, it's not just being a good running back. It's being 
uh, the the total package. And I think in the pass blocking game, which is very, it can be difficult for running backs to pick up. So I think he's going to get a chance to show that in the spring this year, if he can pick that up. We already know that he can carry the ball and he's gifted in those ways, but he has to show that he can protect the quarterback as well, especially a big guy like Will Howard or whoever the starting quarterback might be. And if that if it doesn't work out well in the spring, maybe we look to see him in the transfer portal. But I will say, Coach Alfred does a really good job of rotating running backs. I mean, you think about all the times when we had Mayan and and Travion, and then it was they wanted to rotate Evan Pryor. Like they want to have a bunch of running backs to be able to rotate throughout the season, so they can keep their bodies fresh moving forward. So I think he still will benefit. He still will get carries. Maybe it's not the whole bunch of carries that he thinks he's supposed to get as a running back, as just running back one, but he will still get some time in that backfield and still be able to make some plays. And then uh, one last one here real quick uh, on the Ohio State front here, Tyvis. A four-star defensive end, Dominic Kirks. He had committed to Washington uh, when Caleb DeBoer left. He has decommitted. He's in this next upcoming freshman class, the 2024 class. He is a defensive end, a 6'4", 255-pound defensive end from up in the Cleveland area, Painesville, Riverside, okay. I believe, is where he uh, has gone to school. He made an official visit to Ohio State this past weekend. I guess Ohio State hasn't officially offered him yet, but it sounds like he's someone that wants to now that DeBoer has left Washington mm-hmm. possibly end up with Larry Johnson in this Ohio State D-line? I mean, I think, it, first of all, anytime you get something from Cleveland, you know <laughs> you know what we do down here, <laughs> Baker. I'm just saying. I, that wouldn't be a bad thing. No, I think that Coach Johnson does a really good job at, you know, he's I know that Coach Johnson does a good job of getting the best out of his players. You know, just from the former players that I've talked to, you know, they talk about how Coach Johnson has really helped change their life and how much I see how much better our defensive line got when he got here. So if you can get another guy in there, obviously you want to be able to rotate. Defense end is one of those spots that rotates a lot. And Coach Johnson loves to rotate guys throughout the thing so much that he got in trouble for it a couple of years ago. Everybody asked, what's with all this rotation? But I think that anytime you can add another piece that can be that can be relentless and get after the quarterback and not have to worry about being tired, that's always good. So I think it'll be good for him to come here, and especially if he's coming in here, would it be next year? That means that JT and maybe Jack Sawyer is gone, so he'll be right in the mix to play a lot. Yeah, be right in line with like Edric Houston, Kenyatta mm-hmm. Jackson, and Caden yeah. Curry to pick up when JT and uh, Jack Sawyer go ahead and head off to the NFL. We know the college football season has ended, but man, the news the past couple weeks, it seems like it's in mid-season form. Bodie will let us know what's going on with the college football pulse next. It's the Buckeye Show, 97.1 The Fan. An encyclopedic knowledge of sports and other random things you may or may not care about. I think I found my mentor. Rockman and Ice. Weekdays from noon to three. The f- it's time for the college football pulse on the Buckeye Show. Welcome back in. Hour number two of the Buckeye Show. Just a half hour, though, as we've got Philadelphia Eagles, Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up here at 730 on the fan. Bodes a lot going on in the college football world, even though the season is over. Go ahead and let us know what's happening here with the Pulse. Yeah, guys, we'll start down in Austin. They obviously ended their season on a little bit of a sour note from them for them coming up just short in the Sugar Bowl against Washington in the semifinal game. But nevertheless, Texas is maybe kind of sort of back and uh, they're going to be pretty damn good next year if this uh, 
news is any you know indication for it. Quinn Ewers is coming back for his senior season with the Longhorns in 2024. Obviously, some great news for them. I would have to imagine they'll probably probably be a uh, preseason top five team, if not at least top ten for sure, coming off the season that they uh, just had. I wanted to get their schedule pulled up here because I was looking at this earlier. How about this, though? For their first season heading into the SEC, they will open up with Colorado State, which is not a big deal there. But then they go to Michigan on the road for week two. And then some of their, uh, you know, of course, they got Oklahoma and the Red River rivalry there. They play against number, well, what will potentially be uh, the number one team in the country entering the season, Georgia. They host Georgia. They host Florida. They'll go to Arkansas, host Kentucky, and then at Texas A&M, they get that rivalry renewed there against the Aggies. So pretty loaded schedule for the Longhorns. Maybe a good news for them. There's a 12-team playoff, so they can afford an extra loss or two. But Ewers coming back, I think it kind of makes sense for him. I honestly think nine times out of ten, these guys could always use an extra year of college. Yeah. And especially with McCarthy going pro, uh, Drake May, Caleb Williams, Jane Daniels at the top of the draft. I think another year for Ewers, and he can maybe be that first or second guy heading into what will be the 2025 NFL draft. And good news for Texas, certainly this fall. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Good news for Texas with that schedule that you talked about there, Bodes, for them. They're going to need an experienced quarterback, even though I'm sure Arch Manning has the talent to navigate that. He would not have the experience. Uh, so it's nice for them that they have yours coming back. I'm kind of surprised by this because it seems like even back in high school every move this kid has made has been about money but I'm sure Texas probably ponied up uh, pretty well he had a really good year for them though this year and they are that schedule's tough but they're going to be maybe even a top three team when the polls come out to start the year no I think they got something going over there it's nice that Texas is back first of all I you know growing up you always knew that they were a blue blood and they were always really good. And then they kind of fell off after Vince Young or after Colt McCoy, I'd say. They yeah, be, more so after Colt. Yeah, after they went to back the Brown ended up leaving. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's nice to see them back up there. I'll tell you what, if they do make it to the to the CFP, which they probably will, they and they're, if they finish 11-1 or 12-0, like they are battle tested with that with that schedule that they have, so I think it's right for Quinn Ewers to come back. They just got the one kid that transferred from Alabama, right? Yeah, Isaiah, Isaiah Bond, Bond. Yeah, the receiver. He, yeah, he said he wanted to go there because he knew Quinn Ewers would be one of the best quarterbacks in the draft next year, and he wanted to play with one of the best quarterbacks. So it's good for both of those guys. He'll have weapons, and they should have a really good year at Texas. We talked about this with CJ just a little bit ago, and I think it's an underrated stat with quarterbacks. I, we look at their arm strength all the time, but I like a smart quarterback that's accurate. I think they'll get the ball there. Yours completed 76% of his passes this year. So that's, that's really pretty... Good. Actually, no, excuse me. That was... Uh, um, I'm, that was his uh, fourth quarter, his fourth quarter stats. He completed 69 of his passes, that's so still, still good. very good. Yeah. yeah, real quick, guys, just an NFL pulse in case anybody's driving around and wondering. The uh, Steelers, they're kind of making a little bit of a comeback here. It's now 24-17, 10 minutes left in that That's game. what the Steelers do. Yeah, just hang around, hang around. Try to find a way to win at the end. Wouldn't that be something if they come back and win this game? They were game? down 21 nothing. Now oh, 24-17, yep. Yeah, that's a great story for them. Wish we could say the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish wah, Dallas would have. <laughs> I wish Dallas made a one, was in a one-score game yesterday in the fourth quarter. Back to college football here. Washington, we know that they lost their head coach, Kalen DeBoer, to Alabama. They now have their new head coach, Jed Fish. They're hiring him over from Arizona, so they're stealing him from 
I guess their old Pac-12 rival because Arizona's now in the Big 12 and Washington's in the Big 10 because nothing really makes sense anymore in college football. But nevertheless, Fish, he took over a pretty bad pro- uh, program at Arizona from Kevin Sumlin. Really turned him around in quick uh, duty, too. He went 1-11 and in his first year, then 5-7, and and then 10-3 and in this last season. They beat Oklahoma in the bowl game to finish, I think, about that top 15 of the polls, give or take. Uh, I did see on the story from ESPN here from Pete Thamel that... You can find it real quick. He was the only candidate to emerge for a second interview after initial round of candidate calls in the wake of divorce exit to Alabama. So seems like Washington went out and got their guy and the guy that they were hoping to hire, kind of maybe from the day that DeBoer left for Alabama. You know what's funny about that is I don't know if he was their guy because reports are that they were going after Lance Leipold hard out of Kansas, and that's who I thought that okay. they should go after, but he said he was going to return to Kansas and stay, so I don't know who Washington was their guy, really. Uh, Leipold, obviously, what he's done with Kansas has been pretty awesome. This is a quick a miracle. Turn- yeah, this is a <laughs> quick turnaround for Fish at Arizona, too. He's a guy that has a lot of NFL experience as well. Um, he's a guy that's been a co- uh, coordinator for Jim Harbaugh, uh, too so he's he's been well traveled well versed in the uh, offensive side of football if they want to keep up what they've done with Kalen DeBoer on the offensive side at least I think Fish is a good guy I like Fish because of I remember watching Arizona this year and they had some games I think they didn't they beat USC I think they did and then they played a couple of more teams that was really good I don't know if they won them or not but they played a lot of teams tough and you know, when you think of Arizona, you think of a basketball school. You don't necessarily think of football. And he did a really good job of having that program. I think they were just very tough this year, and they were in a lot of games. So he brings that competitive spirit to Washington, a team that was just in the national championship. I think he's a pretty fiery guy, so I think that they'll still be good. He's going to have to be that in the Big Ten, and they're going to have to recruit in the trenches. Back-to-back weeks, they lost to Washington by seven, and then in three overtimes, they lost to USC the following week, but they beat Oregon State, uh, they beat Washington State, they beat Utah, who were uh, all ranked teams, and then they, they beat Oklahoma in the bowl game as well. So, yeah, they, they played a tough schedule this year. Uh, going 10-3 and three was uh, nothing to sneeze at. Utah. <laughs> all right, guys, next up here on the final day that underclassmen were allowed to declare for this uh, upcoming spring's NFL draft. Real shocker here. I don't know if you guys were caught off guard by this one, but Southern Cal's quarterback Caleb Williams will officially enter the NFL draft. Uh, It was hilarious back in the fall when his dad tried to claim that that wasn't going to happen because Caleb didn't want to go to the Bears or whatever. But nevertheless, he is in the draft. Going to be a heavy odds-on favorite to be that number one pick there. I think it's going to be to the Bears. There's a chance, of course, they could stick with Fields. Maybe they could go with Drake May. But nevertheless, a uh, thing that we've been knowing coming for the last 12 months, frankly, maybe even longer than that, USC's quarterback Caleb Williams is going to enter the draft and probably be the first, more than likely, maybe the second overall pick. I'm just not sold on this guy. I mean, he's had a long career. I mean, he was at Oklahoma and USC, two powerhouse programs. We thought USC was going to be great this year. And then they had a down year. He went 23-10 and as a starter. Like, I just don't know if he instills a lot of confidence and fire in me that I want that guy. Like, is 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 he better than Justin Fields? I don't think we know. 
first of all, if if Chicago goes leaves Justin Fields and trades Justin Fields, they will regret that. First of all, I think personally, because I think Justin Fields. Anytime you got a locker room that's behind a quarterback, you kind of want to keep that guy. But if Caleb Williams is the guy, you're not going to regret it. But we just don't know. My thing with Caleb Williams is I just don't. I, it's the competitive that like they lost some games this year where they lost. Like it was bad. Like, Notre Dame, Bodie's Notre Dame, like, exposed him to me. I just think that he got to go to a, a franchise. If, first of all, anytime somebody comes out and say says, I don't want to go there because they're not good. Like, look at all the great quarterbacks there. First of all, if you're that good, you're going to go to one of the worst teams. And if you're that good like you say you are, you should be able to fix those things. Joe Burrow did it with Cincinnati. C.J. Stroud's doing it with with the Texans, you know, Cam Newton did it with the Patriots. I mean, not the Patriots, the Panthers. You know, it's just it's what it is. And I don't. I just never really liked the competitive. It, it makes me question your competitive edge when you say I don't really want to go there, and that bothers me a little bit because I think you're talented with the ball. I think you can make all of those throws. You make some really good plays. Why would you not? You should be able to go somewhere and make your teammates better. That's ultimately what a quarterback does. He makes the guys around him better. And you should have that aura to yourself to be able to do that. Yeah, I... Especially if you're going to Chicago, you got DJ Moore. I feel like there's a lot of questions. I don't know. Bodes, let's sneak one more in real fast. One more. Another quarterback situation here. A guy that that we thought was heading to the NFL draft. Turns out he's not. Clear back on December 1st, Cam Ward of Washington State announced that he was going into the portal. They didn't declare for the draft, but he did not hire an agent. So maybe it was just uh, playing up a little negotiation tact. They're trying to get the Miami Hurricanes to pay up. And apparently they did because now he's going to be a Miami Hurricane next year. Coming off a season where he threw for just under 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, 7 picks, and then ran for another 8 scores. Pretty strong season for him in the Washington State. Kind of a pass-happy offense. We'll see if he can carry that over to Miami. But I think this is pretty good news for Miami. They... They've been trying to work their way back. Cristobal is trying to rebuild that thing. And Ward, maybe he's not as good as his numbers, but if he's just a solid, strong, he's got to be old. I mean, he's been around for a few years now. Uh, older veteran quarterback there for the Hurricanes. See if they can get back on track there in the ACC. I guess they didn't think Albany's Reese Poffenbarger was the answer at quarterback <laughs> for them next year. I mean, I don't know to me. Like, yeah, I... He's a, he's a he's a good college quarterback, but he obviously <laughs> didn't move the needle for any other teams because they didn't go get him before he jumped to the NFL draft. So I don't know how much this helps Miami. I, I, it's something about when you go to Miami, just the things never work out there. I mean, I know they paying people and they got NIL money and all of those things, and they're really getting recruits to come there. But I think it's going to take some time, and I, I just don't think he got that what it takes to really sway Miami and make them back to being the you. I know the quarterback is the most important part, but I think he realized that, listen, there's a bunch of names in this draft that that's going to look better than me. And I need to go ahead and go next year and just compete with Quinn Ewers to try to be number quarterback number one. I don't know why, Tyvis. I just thought Cam Ward was always going to end up at Florida State. I thought he was no, a no, guy I got that, DJ Uyunga he, I thought he was a guy that looked like he would be good in the, that Florida State uniform. But uh, I guess he's going to the U next year and try to revive them. Will Ryan Day hire a new offensive coordinator? And if he does, who could that be? Well, Kind of sounds like we might have a leader in the clubhouse. We will discuss next. It's the Buckeye Show, 97.1 The Fan. We're the girthiest radio station in the history of radio. Uncomfortably girthy. This promo is uncomfortable. The Fan, Ohio's girth destiny. 
The best sports talk in the Big Ten lives right here. Now back to the Buckeye Show on the fan. Final segment to this Monday edition of the Buckeye Show. That's because we have a little Monday night playoff football here on the fan. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Philadelphia Eagles in round one of the NFC playoffs. Bodes, I think I saw that uh, the Buffalo Bills just scored, so they've extended that lead to 31-17 to over the Steelers. Yep, about six minutes left, so Buffalo can hang on there. They will host the next game against Kansas City, I believe. I'm not mistaken, yes, right? because and then the Baltimore will host. Baltimore will be hosting the Houston. Texans. Yep. So yes, correct. So we have some NFL football coming up next. Uh, speaking of football, a lot of talk that Ryan Day possibly might hire an offensive coordinator this offseason to pair with so Brian Hartline and take over the play calling. Do you think that is going to happen? And what needs to happen? <laughs> okay. This is this is very interesting because the reason that Brian Hartline is sticking around is because you upgraded him to offensive coordinator and you said that you would let him call plays. And we get into the season and we look and we see you with the play sheet over your face calling the plays. So I everybody wants to know, well, what happened in that situation? Now you're telling me. That you're about to go outside and get another guy to come in and call plays over Hardline? That's interesting. Like, that is very, very interesting to me. And I would love to sit in that meeting and see how that goes. Because I know Brian Hardline has to feel some type of way about that. Now, is it the right decision? It's interesting. You say, I think that you have... You will have three offensive minds. Let's say you go out and get another offensive coordinator. You'll have three offensive minds in one room. Brian Harline, Ryan Day, and whoever they get. That obviously is going to make your offense better because everybody sees things differently. You'll see different flaws and different defenses, and you'll see weaknesses that you can attack that maybe Ryan Day doesn't see. So it would be nice to get it from that standpoint. But I do think it's got to be a little friction there between Hartline and whoever they go they bring it and i think if you do this the nice thing is you're going to have eyes in the sky now whoever they hire to bring in will probably be up on the booth we know that heartline with the receivers has been down on the field ryan day of course has to be on the field as well so i think that would be a good advantage at least also i think if you're going to do this it's good to bring in a guy with experience because no offense to Brian Hartline and we know he's been a great receivers coach and he's recruited well. I don't think Ohio state is the place to learn on the job for an (laughs) offensive coordinator position, calling plays for the very first time. Correct me if I'm wrong in that. (laughs) Well, with, with everything that's on the line this year, no, this is not the time to be doing that. So yeah, I mean, from that standpoint, absolutely. But I just think it's interesting because I think it was it was Missouri's coach who said he had to give up play calling and it helped him become a better head coach or something like that. I think mm-hmm. it was him. Drink wits. Yeah. I guess Ryan Day heard that speech and he thought to himself, maybe that needs to be the case. You know, Ryan Day is, I think he's an excellent head coach. I know a lot of people think it seem otherwise. I think he's a great play caller. I think he's an excellent head coach. And I think this is the year, this is the year of truth. This is the year of looking yourself in the mirror and saying, I have to do what's best for this team. Whether And I got to put my ego to the side. And if right now I need to bring somebody in to call plays to make me a better head coach, to be able to look at this team and understand everything that's going on, then that's what you got to do. 
If he does do this, according to David Briggs of the Toledo Blade, Jason Candle, the head coach at Toledo, holds the number one spot on Ryan Day's offseason wish list. This is interesting to me because I heard a while back that Ryan Day and Jason Candle are very close and actually talk almost daily to each other. So that's a name that's very interesting. Candle has been with Toledo since 2009. They hired him um, as a wide receivers coach uh, the, from Mount Union. He was coaching in Mount Union where he played football. He coached his first seven seasons at Toledo, uh, working several different positions. He was under Matt Campbell, of course, who also played at Mount Union. He's been, um, he's called the Toledo offense since 2012 and Every year but one, 2022, the Rockets have ranked in the top 40 in total offense in the country. Well, first of all, the MAC is different than the Big Ten, so let's let's put that out there right now. I think the interesting thing is I want to know how much he's making as a head coach because leaving from a head coach to become offensive coordinator, that's I can tell you right now that's too, that's totally different. He's making one point one million dollars per year as the Toledo head coach, so you'd have to think that he's going to get oh, a he, bump he, coming he, here. He better because you're talking about leaving a head job to be an offensive coordinator. That's kind of a downgrade, but I understand leaving the Mac to come to the Big Ten. That's an upgrade. So I get it from that standpoint. I think that they would have to make that money work some way if you're giving your defensive coordinator two million or whatever the heck it is, then you got it's only right that you get your offensive coordinator something around those numbers. We did see oh yeah, Go sorry, Ryan, no. I was just gonna say uh we did see Sean Lewis do this, right? Last yeah. offseason. He yep. was the head coach at Kent State, Kent State. and yeah, then went to State, Colorado. Kent State, yeah, and came the OC at, and unfortunately uh, that didn't work Prime. out too no. well for him. But he him, did get so. a head coaching job. He got one at San Diego State, I think yeah. it was this offseason. So. He got wait, he got fired or he just left. They he, t- they took head co- they took play calling duties correct. from him midway yeah. through the season. So <laughs> a couple other names that Cleveland.com at least says to look out for. Akron head coach Joe Moorhead. We know he was the offensive coordinator at Penn State before. Ex Florida head coach Dan Mullen. Of course, he has Urban Meyer ties. And then Leon Cohen, the Kentucky offensive coordinator, who was also the offensive coordinator for one year for the Los Angeles Rams. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. Tyvis, unfortunately, we've got to go. We have got NFL football coming up. As always, though, it's great to see you and great to talk a little ball. Always, man, and I'm sure I'll see you some point this week. We will see each other again soon. Bodie, thanks for all your work. Again, we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Philadelphia Eagles next right here on The Fan. The Buckeye Show is sponsored by CareSource. Proud to be your home for Ohio State Athletics. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destiny.